Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tenderness see? Who through life has been my guide? brother Joseph they had sold into slavery. They didn't recognize him until the second time. Now, a couple weeks ago when I, I was editing the sermon and none of you even called me on it. I'm very disappointed in you right now. So I said, in the book of Joseph, I made up a book of the Bible. So it was great. In the second book of opinions, <laughs> I said, in the book of Joseph, this story is in there. And people are like, probably, you're probably scratching your heads. But I saw it. I left it in there because I love when I make dumb mistakes like that. It just, it's hilarious. In the book of Genesis, when we read about Joseph, 44 and 45, it's a powerful story because we do see that Joseph being a type of Christ, the Jewish people, they didn't recognize, or the tribes of Israel, these, his brothers didn't recognize him the first time. They only recognized him the second time, their second journey to Egypt. And we know that is true for Israel as well. And we know they were blinded in part for the church. For the church. But I love Zechariah 13, 6, because this is a powerful prophecy to be reminded today that even though God ended that covenant in a sense with the last scripture written, he has a plan for Israel and he's not done. But look at this. And one shall say unto him in Zechariah 13, 6, what are these wounds in thy hands? This is a powerful prophecy. Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Isn't that a beautiful prophecy? Just like Joseph's brothers, the Jewish people will one day realize who Jesus Christ is, that he is Messiah. And you back up a chapter, Zechariah chapter 12, we read this. 12.10 says this, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son. Look at the language. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Again, what a beautiful prophecy. And you know, I see so much weirdness these days. There's so much reaction on social media and otherwise from so-called Christians denying the promises of Israel. And you know, again, we don't have to agree with the government of Israel and all these things, but just recognize anti-Semitism is alive and well and it's satanic. There's so much of this going on. Another thing that I think is remarkable about the story of Joseph compared to the story of Christ and what is going to happen is, remember this, Joseph actually revealed himself that second time in the midst of a seven-year famine. Understand, when he revealed himself to his brothers, it was in the midst of a famine of seven years. Genesis 45, 4 through 7 says this, And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Take note of that. 
because that's important for the church. Verse 6, for these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Do you understand this picture and type of Joseph applies? Because in the midst of a seven-year famine, the tribulation that's coming upon the whole earth, the time of Jacob's trouble, Jesus Christ will reveal himself to our brothers and sisters. And they will recognize the one whom they pierced. And this is attached to this whole promise. And we also know this. Elijah will come. Malachi says so. And remember, John the Baptist would have been Elijah, but the Jewish people weren't ready for him. He came in the spirit of Elijah, but he was not Elijah. And just so you know, John the Baptist is not the first New Testament prophet. He's the last Old Testament prophet. Often we miss that. But know this. God is not silent. God has a promise for Israel, and he's going to fulfill it. And I wanted to share that today as we go into this study in Daniel chapter 11. Because the Bible tells us that God has a plan for Israel. And he will complete his plan. And the whole reason that Israel was blinded in part for a season was to preserve life. That life is called the church. Do you understand that? We're all here today because God put a pause button on Israel. He blinded them in part because of their rejection, and now he is working powerfully in the new covenant. This powerful time of grace where he went to the cross for our sins, and we can be born again and be part of his beautiful bride, both Jew and Gentile. It's a beautiful thing. And so as we enter Daniel chapter 11, we're going to see a lot about these so-called silent years. That's what's going to be displayed here. This is going to be those silent years that God gives Daniel with such accuracy. Again, the critics just can't believe it. Daniel 11, verse 1 through 4. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I even, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion, and do according to his will. And when he has arisen... His kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted even for others besides these. Now, some of that should sound familiar. You start recognizing the four winds and some of this stuff. But remember this, God's word does repeat itself. And in the visions of Daniel, we're seeing basically some of the same elements, but with different details. And this... Chapter 11, I have to tell you, especially the first 35 verses or so, is so powerful and so amazing. Do you know this? There are 135 prophecies in those first 35 verses that all came true. 135 out of 135 came true in history. Again, do you see why the critics hate Daniel? And they hate especially chapter 11 because of the minutia. But it's really powerful when we realize, you know, history, you've heard it said, history is just that. It's his story. Because he's in charge, he writes history before it ever happens. That's what prophecy is. 135 prophecies. But we're also going to see today here in chapter 11, and I told you this, I warned you, we're going to see a bit of a soap opera. Uh, I'm not exaggerating either, but we are. We're going to see kings and queens, the drama of marriages and murder. 
the rise of some, the demise of others, and it's, it's going to be mini-series mini status, you know? Remember back in the day, I don't know if they still do those, but, um, but the Bible doesn't hold back. It tells us the good, the bad, and the very ugly. And we're going to see a lot of those last two elements today, a lot of the bad and the very ugly. And we know in these first four verses, it's speaking of the Medo-Persian kingdom, that three more kings would arise, but the fourth one, it says, would be far richer. And this is pointing to three influential kings right after Daniel's time, which all came to pass in history. And then a fourth king came on the scene who was rich. He had an army of two and a half million. He had a navy that was unmatched. His name was Xerxes. If you've ever studied out Ahasuerus, also that name might ring a bell. If you've ever studied out the book of Esther, that's who it's speaking of. And it all came to pass. But here's the thing. It says he will stir up all against the realm of Greece in verse 3. That's exactly what Xerxes did. He provoked them. He poked them continually. He, tried, he did really well, though. And for over 100 years, though, Greece was bitter and angry. And they were primed for a leader to rise up and bring them against Medo-Persia. And that's exactly we know what happened. Daniel 11.3, Then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with, a, with great dominion and do according to his will. This king that arose from Greece, we know it was Alexander the Great, the goat, right? And not the greatest of all time. That title belongs to Jesus alone. But remember in the previous vision, the goat was the, Greece, the Grecian Empire. And remember the horn that came up out of the goat that killed the ram? That was speaking of Alexander the Great. And so we know the ram was Medo-Persia. Alexander the Great was that great king. And we know from our previous studies that he conquered the world swiftly, quickly, he controlled it all. And I wanted to mention something else. I've, I've teased it a little bit, but know this. Alexander the Great could have taken Israel. He could have wiped them off the face of the planet. He could have destroyed them. Of course, we know God wouldn't allow it, and God didn't allow it. But something fascinating happened in history, and I want you guys to be aware of this. Because Josephus, the Hebrew Roman, the, the Hebrews thought he was a traitor. The Romans didn't trust him. But the, the historian who was a Jewish Roman historian in the antiquity of the Jews in book 11, chapter 8, wrote this about Alexander the Great. He came to Jerusalem and he talked to the, peace, the priests of Israel and they were able to broker peace with him. Let me read this to you. And when the book of Daniel was showed him, speaking of Alexander, wherein Daniel declared that one of the Greeks should destroy the empire of the Persians, he supposed himself that he was the person intended. And as he was glad, he dismissed the multitude for the present. But the next day he called them in and bade them and asked what favors he, that pleased them. Whereupon the high priest desired that they might enjoy the laws of their forefathers and might pay no tribute in the seventh year. He granted all they desired. And when they entreated him, that he would permit the Jews also to, uh, in Babylon and Medo-Persia, to enjoy the laws also, he willingly promised to do hereafter what they desired. Alexander the Great shows up with his great army to Jerusalem, and the priests go out and say, hey, wait a second, you're in our Bible. And they show him the book of Daniel. And he says, you know what, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I don't even know what the Greek word is for cool, but... So he decides he's not going to do anything. In fact, he favors them and gives them favor. It's a pretty amazing story. But in the same way that we saw the great horn of that goat broken off, and we know that four other horns replaced it, in verse 4 when it says, when he has arisen, meaning when he came to full power, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org.
Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.